Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And on today's show, I was joined by a very special guest, Joel Hatch. Joel is a passionate property investor. He's also been quite successful. Um, we've played a little hand in that. We're going to talk about that too. Um, he's had some amazing returns on his properties. But what I really loved most about um, my chat with Joel was actually the wide-ranging conversation we had around around culture, mindset, around you know his backstory, growing up in the country, how his his family shaped his views on building wealth, how he how he stays connected with his goals, and in fact, how his investment portfolio has given him the freedom to be able to buy the home that he wants um, in the place that he wants, which is amazing, which is kind of the goal for a lot of people as well. So if you want to get the backstory on how Joel has found such great success in his portfolio, and you can too, we also talk about then this is the episode for you. We also talk about abundance mindset, dreaming big, and the importance of building wealth and, and what that means in terms of impact and you give back to the world. So I really loved it. We covered a lot of ground. It was a really fun conversation and I think you're going to love it too. So without any further ado, let's get stuck into it and I'll see you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. Joining me on today's show is Joel Hatch. Now, Joel is an awesome and successful investor. He's also a Dashdot client, but he's had a lot of property success and experience outside of just working with Dashdot. And I'm really excited to dig into that because I know there's a lot of really good stuff there that we can touch on. But Joel, how are you today? Yeah, good. Thanks, Goose. Um, excited to be here. Long time listener. Big yeah. Fan. <laughs> that's good. That's good, man. That's good. I'm glad that you're a big fan, and I'm super excited to have you on the show because we've just been running through some of the numbers in your in some of your property purchases, and they are pretty wild. But before we get into that, but I'd love to um I'd love to dig in a little bit. Now, you and I actually caught up uh, just the other day, and we did a bit of a portfolio review, had a look at what's going on, where are you going, what's next, what's the strategy, all of that kind of stuff. And I think from memory, you've got um, five properties in your portfolio right now. Is that yes. right? And yep. Go on. Yep. I just with me and my wife have got five between us. Yep. Yeah, you got five between five between you and your portfolio, which puts you in the top one percent of property investors nationwide, which is pretty bloody good going, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and you're gearing up to buy multiple more, right? So you, you're on you're on you're on track, which is pretty exciting. But let's go back a yep. little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What um what do you do? What do you do for work? What do you do for fun? Tell us a little bit about who you are. Where are you from? Um, I'm from. A tiny town called Narrabri. So I grew up out there. Um, spent a, a lot of time at a tinier town called Lightning Ridge. Don't know if you've heard about that. If that's come up in any suburb reports. It's a pretty interesting one. Uh, yeah. So I'm a yeah country kid that lives in Newcastle now um, with my wife and um, yeah, I'm just a husband, investor. I'm, Aboriginal. I, um, I currently work for the National Parks and Wildlife Service. Sorry, that's been great. Um, you know, for about twelve years now. Yeah, awesome, awesome. That's um, that's pretty interesting because I grew up in a pretty small country town as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, regional Victoria, so east, so um, east Gippsland. About uh, it's near Terrelgan, but it's a tiny little town uh, called Glengarry. And when I was growing up, and you might be able to relate to this, but when I was growing up, you had to be third generation local and play footy and cricket for the local local team to be considered local. And I was <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like first generation local and played soccer for a different town. So I was like, you know, never quite <laughs> never yeah. quite landed. Right? Was it like that when you were growing up? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, my 
family had always been in Narrabri and out the ridge for a long time. So, but yeah, someone asked me, I was in Newcastle here the other day at the beach and someone was just asking for directions and they're like, oh, are you a local? Can you help me out? And I was like, well, not really a local. We've only been here two years, but um, I could probably tell you where you need to get to. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny that, isn't it? It's funny. So, um, so you work for the National Parks and Wildlife Service. Did where did that come from? Was that just because you grew up in a regional area, you love being outdoors? Where did that kind of, what inspired you to go into that? Yeah, well, I guess I was really lucky. Um, I had two Aboriginal elders as grandparents growing up. And yeah. so I spent a lot of time with them out in the bush. And I think around 2005, the national parks came into a lot of new estate that were, was previously state forests and they were turning into um, national parks reserves. And my grandparents had a lot of um, knowledge about that area. And so the national parks were keen to uh, work with the Aboriginal community and, and learn as much as they can from the you know, Aboriginal elders around. And I was just a kid and um, I was just always hanging out with my grandparents and, um, you know, they would take, pop out and just go for drives in the bush. And, you know, what can you tell me about here, you know? get the oral histories and whatever and Pop would just drag me along with him, which was great. And um, and from then I was like, oh, is this working for the National Parks? Just going for a drive and checking out the bush. <laughs> I'd like to do it anyway. Let's, um, let's go for that. Um, and obviously it's not just that, you know, that's that's the fun stuff. But um, I guess I was just really lucky. And so from then I just, you know, kept an eye out and um, got some work with them, contracting, doing some site survey stuff. Mm. Uh, and from then, so I got I got a bit of um, bit of a leg up there. So yeah, no, it, it's been great. It's been a great career. Also, uh, as part, I was a ranger for ten years, so I'm a project officer now. But I was a ranger before for about ten years. So mm. um, as part of that, you have to be a firefighter. So uh, being a, a firefighter is uh, definitely the the most challenging part, but also the most exciting. I've just I've been able to see some of the most amazing country. Um, yeah, as part of that, you know, just like getting dropped off into the middle of nowhere. What do you help. mean, like actually, like getting like dropped into the middle of the bush somewhere? Do you, is it like tell, tell yeah. me about that? Well, um, so when you know, a lot of times um, firefighting is just out of a, a vehicle, and you know, mm. using roads and trails, and, and using bulldozers and machinery to push lines in and, and whatnot. But sometimes, um, you know, the the fires that start with lightning strikes in the middle of nowhere, so in the middle of Wallamai. Yango, mm. the Blue Mountains, um, you need to, to get to them quick. And part of that is what they call rafting, so remote area firefighting team. Um, and you use a helicopter and there's three ways you usually do it. If you can find like a cliff or a, a pad, like a treeless area that the helicopter can land, that's option number one. Option number two is a hover entry exit so there might not be a full landing that the helicopter can get to but they might be able to just like hover just above a cliff that you can just like hop out really slowly and gently and get all your gear and then the helicopter buggers off and leaves you there and then the, the third option which is always the third option because the most dangerous is the winching so they um they get you on the side of the helicopter like you know it could be tens of meters up in the air above the tree line and you're getting a little sling and you got your backpack between your legs and then they um, just literally, just like you've seen, probably, um, you know, yep. rescues using the winch on the side of the helicopter, just um, teabacking down. 
<laughs> Mate, that's unreal. That's unreal. I, did, I actually didn't because um, I knew that you. I knew you did a bit of that stuff, but I didn't know that you did rafting and stuff. That's pretty. That's pretty hectic. That's pretty intense. Oh, it, it's been the, the funnest part of my career for sure, and um, de- definitely the most challenging. Though. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Now, you mentioned your background a couple of times. You mentioned your, your grandparents, uh, Aboriginal elders and stuff like that. How how connected are you to to culture and stuff like that? How much has that shaped who you are today? Yeah, I've been really lucky. Um, it, it's been great. You know, I come from Gomeroy country. Um, I live here in a Wabakal country now in Newcastle. But, um, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, shaped who I am. I, both my parents worked full-time when I was a kid, so um, just spent uh, a lot of my childhood with my grandparents. Yeah, right. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Sweet, man. And, um, yeah, that's awesome. I'm interested to know then, where did um, where did property investing kind of come into it? Because, like, you, you, I can see where the I can see where the uh, the the love of the bush and everything like that came from. I can relate to a lot of that stuff from you know my own where yeah. I, my own stories growing up and everything like that. So I can see that. But where did you was was there anyone else in your family that was a property investor? Where did you first start getting that thought? Yeah, well, um, you know, like uh, I, I was really lucky on the other side of my um, family. My other grandparents were always talking about um, shares and investing and compound interest so they taught us grandkids about that like um when we were teenagers and i just remember thinking oh that's you know they explained it really well and i was like oh wow this compound interest sounds amazing um and from then i just i think i had just had this light bulb moment where i was like oh this is what rich people do (laughs) that works smart right like they they invest in things and they make money while they sleep yeah they're just like sell their time for money to someone and so um i think when i so i was always like interested in um you know investing in general but then when i started work i you know bought all the books and listened to all the podcasts and uh, i think property just made so much sense to me like one of the books uh i bought and devoured so quickly was um the investing in real estate for dummies book. <laughs> Good starting you know, place, yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very uh, appropriate for me because, uh, you know, it needs to explain things to me like very simple terms. And I would just like, I had this um, a really long commute to work, like a one and a half hour each way commute to work when I first started working at uni. So I would like listen to all the podcasts on the way and then get back home and like sit on the floor with this book and my notepad and pen and take notes and, it just made so much sense to me. Like um, I also read, you know, um, investing in shares for dummies and a lot of books on shares. I have a few shares, but I think property just makes so much more sense. Like I think shares, like shares that pay dividends, great. Okay, you invest your money. The company goes, yep, we'll use that. We'll give you some back and, you know, because we're using your money. But shares that don't give dividends, I'm like, wasn't that just the voting system, like a popularity contest? I don't know. Very interesting. Very interesting insight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, property made sense because you're taking the risk, buying this property, giving someone somewhere to live because they need it, and you look after them and they look after you, and it's a simple transaction, right? So, um, yeah, just treat it like a business, I guess. Yeah, and it's pretty interesting as well. Like even just the the dynamics of shares. Let's say you've got a company and it's listed on the stock exchange. 
if it mm. wants to raise more, if it wants to raise more capital, it can just issue more shares. Yes. You know, so it can just like, it's not like a finite number. And actually, as I started getting into business and uh, kind of working that out, because I kind of thought like, right, you start a business and, you know, let's just say there's 100 shares in the business, then that's the 100 shares that exist. And then if yeah. uh, and then if you sold some of those shares to an investor, you'd be taking from the 100 and giving them some, right? Say 10 shares for 10%. But in fact, you go and just make more shares. You just go, well, I've got 100 shares and I'll make another 11 and I'll give those 11 to you and then you can own that bit. And so it's a continuously... Like it's a, it's kind of a weirdly elastic, um, amorphous value kind yeah. of thing. Now I love business. Like I think it's awesome, and I, I'm actually really into understanding and all of that kind of stuff. But I think you're right. Like when it comes to, like thinking about the other thing about the other thing about um, shares and businesses is they can go to zero, right? Like they can abs, they can they can go to bang zero, just like that like so yeah. enron for example which was a massive company billions of dollars you know it turns out they were cooking the books and then they bang they went to zero and they were gone gone wiped from the face of the earth but yeah. houses don't go to zero don't get me wrong markets couldn't go down things could fluctuate all of that kind of stuff but they don't go to zero because they're a real asset you know and so um yeah i think i think uh, yeah, i can see where i can see why that, why that sort of started to stick with you a little bit so when did you when did you when did you like how old were you when you sort of started going, okay, this is going to be for me and what, what did that path look like? Uh, I think as a teenager, I was always interested in it, but um, like I was always just, you know, I had a job from whenever I could work, but it was never enough. Well, it probably was, but, um, you know, spending it on other things, I never really had enough money to invest or definitely not buy property. So when I started work after uni i was like okay this is the time this is when you know i'd save up buy property you know maybe buy some shares along the way Mm. um and when i you know started full-time work i was like all right time to hook in get serious nice nice and um it's a pretty interesting i was just kind of reflecting a a little bit there because you had kind of like it's almost like you had um you know, you had the yin and yang in your, in your kind of growing up. I don't want to, I was almost, almost going to relate it to like Rich Dad Poor Dad, but it's not quite like that in, in the sense that I was thinking. It's like you had one half of your, one half of your life and upbringing was about being, you know, connected to the world around you. And the other one was about being that kind of like, like financially intelligent as well. I think that's a really, that's a really interesting kind of yin and yang of those two, uh, two parts of life. I think that's, that's really good. Do you think that that has given you any kind of, you know, when you look at the landscape around you, like when you look at the people around you and the people in your life, do you think that that, that specific yin and yang aspect has um, been an advantage for you as, give, as maybe potentially given you um, some kind of upside to be able to see things a little bit differently? Do you want to talk to that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like it's, I've been incredibly lucky to have both those influences and, you know, I, I didn't really, you know, I never had a lot of money growing up and whatever. And, you know, I could, I don't know, argue and make a case to say, oh, look, I started from nothing and look at all these properties I have and whatever. But really, like, I'm just, uh, um, you know, lucky to have the circumstances and influences of people around me. So, yeah, um, yeah, incredibly lucky. And, and yeah, I guess, you know, the, the, way I see the world is um, definitely influenced by that for sure. Yeah, awesome. And so, okay, so you started working full time and you thought, right, you started earning enough money to start investing in property. So let's quickly let's quickly run through a few of those. We don't need to like, you know, dig into all of them massively, but like let's talk through those. So what was the first property you purchased? 
first property I purchased was a unit in Carrara, which is a suburb of the uh, the Gold Coast. Yep. Um, bought that for two forty three, renting for two sixty five. Yep. Um, and then that went up a little bit in a year, and so I had a little bit of savings that I put together with some equity that I pulled out of that. Bought the next one, which was a one-bedroom unit in Surface Paradise, up again the Gold Coast. And then they kind of um, stalled a bit, didn't really have enough equity to go again the next year. And so I was pretty impatient, you know, um, and thinking, you know, what can I do? Getting really frustrated and, you know, just saving money at the same time. But uh, that's when I found you and came across your team. And then we got the Devonport property which was house, so the first house of the portfolio, um, which we'll just go through the numbers just before, and it's very exciting. So we bought that for 241 now worth 431 Yeah. So let's just dig into that for a little minute because uh, I remember vividly when you came to work with us and when we bought that property, I think I was working with you directly then at that point in time. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we bought that one for $241,000 on a gross yield of 6.6% at the time. That was 28 months ago. 28 months ago, and it's now worth 431000 Yeah. <laughs> which, oh, is, which is a 78.8% growth in 28 months. Uh, and that's given you a return on investor capital of 371.5% in just over two years, which is pretty pretty wild that is like that's bonkers how do you how do those kind of numbers make you feel yeah it's almost um it's almost surreal it's like you gotta remind yourself pinch yourself and go oh wow this this is actual numbers you know this is this is the stuff that you know i would be dreaming about before um getting into property investing like oh imagine when you know this happens and it's finally starting to happen so it's great. It's 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 funny that isn't it? Because I've actually experienced that myself. Because you're like when you're starting to invest, you're like, okay, right, I can I intellectually understand it, right? If I buy the right property in the right place at the right time, well, this stuff's going to happen, and I'm gonna it's going to grow, and there'll be you know there'll be numbers that are in the hundreds of thousands of dollars of of gain that I'm going to make, and you intellectually and conceptually understand it. But when you actually start looking at the balance sheet, you start going, whoa, hey, hey, whoa, hang on, this is the stuff. This is the stuff that a few years ago I was thinking about might happen, and now it's here. It's yeah. like it's like whoa, hang on a second, this is real. <laughs> Absolutely, it, it's surreal and almost um, like a bit scary at the same time. Like, whoa, this is well, these are big numbers. I've, I've got to be like responsible here and do the right thing. And um, but it's it's so exciting. Like I was saying before, when I got these valuations back the other day i was punching the air i was so excited <laughs> yeah 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 i bet i bet that's um yeah that's an absolute cracker and because just um if you don't mind me uh pointing out as well and this is really important for people to to understand particularly for people who are um earlier in their journey like i think you joel you and i have got a, quite a lot of similarities you know we both grew up in regional areas both grew up in families that you know you know we weren't super well off and stuff like that we kind of like came across, discovered this whole kind of property thing and walk, started walking the path, right? Now, a lot of people have, are in a similar situation and they think property is out of reach. I can't do it. It's too expensive. It's not for me. Maybe you know, maybe only the boomers could do it once upon a time. Like all of this kind of stuff, they have all these kind of things in your mind. The total cash required to get into that property, uh, that, first, that, first, that house we bought you there, the one in Devonport, was about 52 grand. That's from go to woe, the whole shooting yeah. match. That was paying for all of the costs and fees and stamp duty and deposit and everything, all of the cash into the whole deal was 52 grand. That's all. 
right? And you managed to get into that, and you made a you've made a three hundred and seventy one point five percent return on investment in twenty eight months. So yeah, yeah, for sure. And and that's been positively geared ever since we bought it too. So uh, that's what I try and because uh, I, I don't have many friends that are into property investing. I try to explain to them all the time. You know, they might say like, oh yeah, but it'll probably negatively geared and whatever. Yeah. And no, like you can get these properties that put money in your back pocket each year and you can get massive returns on if you just, you know, you got to find the right place. But Totally, totally. So what happened then? What happened after you bought the one in Devonport? Uh, the one in Devonport was definitely the best one in the portfolio so far. And then so we bought one up in Rockhampton <laughs> with uh, you and your team uh, last year. That We bought that for 242 mm-hmm. and... Actually, that was renting for three hundred when we bought it, and like a week after it settled, the manager was like, "Oh, we'll um, lease it up. We'll put it up to three fifty per week." So that was a nice little bonus. Nice. Um, so definitely positively geared that one, and now that's renting for three seventy, and it's worth three hundred and five thousand. Crikey! So it's gone from three hundred in rent, right? To three hundred and seventy, because that's only been twelve months. Uh, mm. Twelve months since we bought that. To three seventy, that is, that is a huge. That's like over twenty. I can't do the massive amount. I think it's over twenty five percent rent growth in that amount of time. Yeah. That's that's bonkers. And not, not only that, yeah, it's gone up to three hundred and five thousand. So that's twenty five point eight percent growth in twelve months. So that's even that one in twelve months is is ga- giving you a hundred and thirty two point seven percent return on invested capital in, in twelve months. Twelve months. Man, that is un that is unreal. And isn't it funny as well? You mentioned there that like not many of your friends are into it and stuff like that. Mm. It's like property investing is a bit of a it's a bit of a lonely sport, isn't it? Like I've ten I've got like not, I can actually say not uh, not many, if any, maybe none or very few of my friends or family have subsequently have have expressed any interest in in investing. And I'm like, guys, guys, hey, look yeah. at this, look at what's <laughs> going on here. Can you not see this? Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same all the time. Like, guys, let's, uh, you know, why isn't everyone doing this? But yeah, it's just their own, I guess. <laughs> totally. Yeah, you can lead a horse to water. Okay, cool, awesome. So you've got the two. You've got the two units. Um, that you bought originally, then a couple of houses that we've helped you um, get into, which have which have gone on pretty good as well. And mm-hmm. then, um, and then you and your wife have got another one as well. Is that right? Yeah. So my wife and I, well, it, um, my wife has uh, an apartment here in Newcastle, yeah, which is great. Um, right on the water, it's unreal spot. Um, and we are living here, but we've also bought off plan for another apartment which is getting built down the road which is a bit closer to the beach yeah a bit nicer a bit bigger better aspect and and whatever so um yeah next year we'll move into that and then we'll figure out what we're going to do with this place yeah and that's really interesting to touch on as well because you know you've obviously been successful in investing and now you're buying an off the plan apartment and now, typically, you know, as a modus operandi, we say don't buy off the plan, don't, you know, all of that kind of stuff from an investment perspective, right? Yes. But if it is an emotional decision, if it is a life choice, 
then do whatever the hell you would it do it if it makes you feel good, right? You know, that's what I reckon. And it and it sounds like that's what you're doing. It's like, yeah, yeah, cool. We can invest. We're going to invest with a specific thesis that is going to work. We're going to buy positively geared properties. We're going to do all this kind of stuff. We're going to, right. So you've got an investment thesis that's working for you. But then at the same time, you're still making sure that you're you're making decisions that are going to be giving you what you need out of your life, you and you and your wife to live a satisfied, happy life and all of that kind of stuff as well. And I think I think that's really, really I think it's great. I think it's awesome to kind of to look at it from that angle as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things I say about self goose all the time is, um, you know, a lot of people go, oh, you just got to take the emotion out of it. You know, just worry about the numbers. But you yourself have said, oh, like emotions are a real thing. Like, mm. you know, you got to pay attention to it. And if it's making you happy, then and that's a good thing. So, um, yeah, it's definitely what um, you know. This apartment here and, and the one close to the beach, but definitely emotional decisions. Uh, but we were able to do that and they make us really happy and we're able to do that because um you know we had a little, little bit of equity that we could pull out of the properties to to keep going and buy these and that was one of the things that i had to pinch myself again because uh, i remember reading that dummies book on the floor and just thinking oh so like if you pull equity out you don't have to save this massive deposit you don't have to um you know um save for years to, mm. to save up this big eighty thousand um, dollar chunk of money you can just pull equity out how easy is that think of all the options right and so yeah. that's what we're able to do and yeah it's like a dream come true yeah it's awesome yeah because they say like now it take you know it takes you like 12 years to save uh deposit or something like that but you're already you're a prime example of actually using your portfolio to buy the house that you want like yeah. You know, I, I've obviously spoken to well, know, thousands of, of investors over the last over the last few years, and yeah, I can categorically say it's always emotional, right? It is, it, yeah. you know, everyone wants to, um, you know, become financially free, live life on their own terms, live by choice, or so many people want to buy a dream home, right? They're like they want they want to buy the home that they want to live in wherever they want to live it now. I'm not the, you know, I'm quite happy in an apartment, right? As well, so I might, you know, when it come when the time comes, I might buy an apartment just like just like you have, right? So, and that's and that's cool. But the point is, if you invest intelligently, your portfolio will pay for it. Like, and that's yeah. like that's like that's how you make it work for you. That's how you achieve everything you want in life. You can have it all. You can have the portfolio. You can build wealth. You can live your current life today without having to scrimp and save and put every dollar in the bank account for twelve years trying to get. You can have it all. You can have a good life now and get all the things you want as long as you invest intelligently. It's, I'm stoked for you, man. I think it's so good. Yeah, exactly. No, we're stoked too. It's again dream come true. Yeah, awesome. And so, what's the like? What's the goal for you then? So, you've obviously got the portfolio. It has been a contributing factor in you know being able to 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 get the get the place you want to live in, which is awesome. And so, what's the kind of that's a big milestone. So what's the goal moving forward? You're obviously going to continue to invest. What's the, what's the, what, what's the goal and, and why? Yeah, well, I really tried to like sit down and clarify what the, I think it might've been something I heard on your podcast or a similar podcast, hmm. but um, whoever it was, was sitting down with someone that was talking about your goals and, and what that actually looks like. Cause I think when I started, like most people, um, I said, you know, $100,000 passive income, let's shoot for that. And now it's it's changed, you know, $200,000 passive income mm. be the first, I think like you call it, um, the, the pause button. Hitting yeah, the pause. hit save, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hit save, yep. Uh, so so 200000 would be the save point for us at this point. But 
when it comes to like um, what the goal is, I mean, it's not like I, I hate my job or anything. Like uh, I've had some of the most amazing experiences on my job. So it's not like I'm just going, oh, you know, just can't wait to not work. It's just you want to um, be able to just have options, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that uh, just gets obsessed with things mm. um, periodically. So like I just want to have the freedom to just um, spend my time on, on things that I'm obsessed with, at whatever it is at that point, you know, and, when I really tried to, to clarify what the goal was and what that looks like in life, I think I, I wrote at the top of the list just friends and family because, um, you, you know, there's no point otherwise, I think, but also like a, a bunch of other wild, probably stupid goals and ideas. But they're not, they're not stupid. Don't, don't downplay them, right? They might be wild, right? But that's yeah, something, yeah. that doesn't mean that they're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's always like kind of changing too. Like I, um, like one day I might go like, oh, yeah, I'd love a winery. I still would love a winery. Like one day yeah. I'd love to have like multiple businesses and, you know, I want to buy farms one day, mm. wineries. I want to, you know, invest in uh, green energy. I want to get into angel investing. Awesome. Uh, the podcast that you had um, yeah. was really interesting on that, the angel investing one, uh, you know, like renovating properties, like the, you know, get into philanthropy and uh, whatever, you know, what that looks like on, on the ground, I, th- I think might change along the way. But uh, just in terms of money goals, I think I, I never want to have to question whether spending money on books, health, food, mm. uh, so I'm obsessed with food, uh, good causes or, or travel. And yeah. uh, I think I always like to fly business class. Yeah, nice, nice. And that's that's man. I love that, right? Because what you've kind of like pointed out there, that's loads of really good stuff, right? And I those those aspirations and those goals and those dreams, they can all be absolutely true. You know, like you can yeah. think of any, you can think of any number of people. Like people see some people who are wealthy, and they think, oh my god, that's like they've done something weird. But they're usually actually a fair bit older than you and I, right? So I think you and I are about a, a fairly similar age. You yeah. look at people who are billionaires, and you go back to when they were sort of like in their thirties and they were, you know, not, they were, sometimes they were nowhere. Like sometimes they were literally at zero. Right. Yeah. And then by the time they're 50 or 60 or 70. Right. But you, you see videos of them or you read their books and they don't sound like old people anymore. You know, they're just like, you know, I can think of, I can think of, you know, half a dozen right now who are, you know, 60 plus who are jumping around like they're 30 ish. Right. And they're all, they've all got B's next to their, their next, their net worth. Right. And they're all doing all of the things that you want to do. In fact, I just, um, I just learned yesterday that Ray Dalio, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Ray Dalio. So Ray Dalio. book at the moment. Yeah. Oh, which oh, one? Uh, the nation, why nations succeed and fail. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, changing, yeah. Changing, changing world order. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. World order, yeah. Nice. Really so, Ray Dalio's got a great story. You know, he built his he built a business, crashed it, got down to four thousand dollars, had to borrow money from his bloody father father in law and all that kind of stuff. So he hasn't always been successful, right? But even yeah. he um, is a part owner of a three hundred million dollar farm in the Riverland in Australia, right? And he loves it. Yeah. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. So like one yeah. of the big one of the biggest global macro investors, one of the wealthiest hedge funds, and all that kind of stuff all the time. And yeah, he's. He's been invested in Australian farmland for like 20 years and hasn't pulled out of it once, right? So that's that tells you something. That's pretty interesting as well, right? So Yeah, absolutely. But one of the things, kind of what – there was an undercurrent there which I just wanted to pick up on as well, right, is is that a lot of people think that the, the quest 
to make money or build wealth is is like in some way dirty, nasty, evil, bad, and all of that kind of stuff, right? But everything you just said there to, to me requires money to do it, but also sounded joyous, happy, you know, abundant, and it's going to give back and make the world a better place. And I actually think that not enough people have enough focus on what am I doing? Like what is it is actually my obligation to try and get further ahead in life so that I can do all of that kind of stuff, so that I can make a difference, so that I can contribute to the world, so I can create, so all of that kind of stuff. So I think that that's a really interesting undercurrent in the things that you just said there. What are, you, what are your thoughts around that kind of like money mindset? Have you thought about that at all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, the goal is to not quit work and drink margaritas on the beach. I couldn't really think of anything worse doing that day in, day out. Um, it's just being able to invest in things that you're passionate about. And, um, yeah, I think, I think I've always thought, and it might change if I'm ever a billionaire, but I look at billionaires and go, wow, just think of the, the good you could do with that money. Like, I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, imagine, if you, imagine if you had a billion dollars cash in the bank, you could literally be like, okay, I'm going to go and take $500 million of it and I'm going to go solve poverty in a country somewhere. I'm just going to yeah. like, bang. Just like, let's go. Let's have at it. Now, obviously, there's complexities with that. You can't just throw money at the problem, right? And there's, yeah, exactly, there's a lot of people yeah. working on that kind of stuff. But but yeah. conceptually, conceptually, yes, yeah, like if you've got a billion, 10 billion, 50 billion dollars, it's like, imagine all the things you can do. Like I am, um, we're a little bit off topic here, but like I I love walking around the uh, city, the CBD in Sydney, right? And look at all the big buildings, right? With like yep. the company names on it. it. could be AMP or Ernst & Young or something like that. And I look up at those buildings and I'm like, those buildings didn't exist once upon a time. Somebody had to build them. Those companies didn't exist once upon a time. It was probably started by a couple of couple of people sitting around a table somewhere going, oh yeah, I've got an idea. And, they, and then they started it from scratch. And, they're there. and you look at Atlassian, they're building a billion dollar um, building in, in Sydney, all green yep. eco and beautiful, all of that kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, they they they're like building billion dollar buildings. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so that, that you can have a huge impact when you can achieve greater levels of of prosperity. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's the goal for sure. And it's been good talking about building businesses. I think when I started working with mm. you guys, you were quite a small team, and just listening yeah. to the podcast with you and Gabby the other day. I think was it your hundredth podcast, and you were talking yeah. about how big the business is now. It's just really cool to see. Oh, like. They're doing really well, like they're smashing their goals and I've seen them kind of like worked with them when they're a small team and now I'm working with them when they're a big team. So that was really cool. Yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. It's been it's been fun. It's definitely um it's it's definitely been a been a fun ride so far. So mate, I'm I'm interested to know, um I'm interested to know then if you could um wind back the clock, right? If you could wind back the clock ten years or even a bit further, what advice would you have given to your younger self? Um Buy as much Bitcoin as you possibly can. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I've fantasized about that like most people. Um, But um, I'm just like so happy where I am here and and stoked with the experiences I've had. So, you know, if if that happened, I probably wouldn't have had all the amazing firefighting experiences at work because I probably would have quit or, you know, Mm. probably wouldn't have met my wife. So I, I think... I don't know if it wasn't anything specific like that. It'd just be just it'll be all right. Just yeah, chill out. Just keep going. Just keep keep on swimming. Just keep yeah. on swimming. Yeah. Um, you seem like a guy who's pretty who's got a fair bit of gratitude for you know where you are, and it seems like you seem pretty 
centered in that sense. Do you have any, do you have any habits or rituals that help you kind of like stay aligned with your values, your vision, your goals or anything like that? Is there anything like, is there anything, any kind of practices you have in place? Um, I try and like update my goals and as much as possible. Like I, I don't um, like journal as much as I would like to, um, which is a, a you know great habit from from what I've heard and what I've tried. But um, I think my my rituals are probably, if not daily, I'm looking at my spreadsheets and like um, you know making sure that everything's on track and, and looking back and seeing where I've come from too. So. Um, you know, each month I, I update values and, and uh, cash flow and whatever. So because I think it would be easy to just feel a bit stuck and go, oh, you know, I want to keep going. But to look back and go, oh, wow, like I've actually come so far. And look at like, you know, two years ago, it, it was um, nothing like it is now. So that's been really good. But also uh, like podcasts are big for me. So like if I'm walking anywhere or I'm cooking or I'm doing anything, I'm usually listening to a podcast. Um, and so I think that's like your kind of mental diet, you know, whatever yeah. you're, you're feeding it is how your kind of brain works. So I just make sure that I'm, I'm listening to, to good stuff, I think. Yeah, awesome. I love that. I love that. Um, and obviously, you know, we've had a pretty good working uh, experience together, but I'd love to know, like, if you could give, if you if you were speaking to someone who was thinking about working with Dash Dot, um, but they were maybe sitting on the fence and they were sort of like, look, I don't know, you know, what would you, what kind of advice would you give to them? Oh, man, I, I would say uh, listen to a few, a few of your podcasts. Yep. Uh, but then, like, if, if you think that, it, it's the right move for you, then then don't wait. You know, it's like that um, the quote, best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Second best time is today. Just hook in, get it done, and and you know, watch the the benefits flow in. Yeah, awesome, love it, love it. Okay, so the final question. Um, oh, actually, I want to ask you another one. What do you want to be remembered for? <laughs> um, I think like most people, like we're saying, like I just want to be remembered for leaving the world a little bit better than what I found it. You know, if I can leave it a lot better than what I found it, that would be a bonus. But um, like I said, like I've had some amazing um, influences and circumstances in my life. Um, So I think if I could, you know, influence and and create as many circumstances for as many people as possible, that'd be good. You know, I think also went through some hard times as a kid. So if I could be that person that I needed when I was 15 for some other kid, that would be a huge win. And mm. anything on top of that is, uh, you know, a bonus. Yeah, love it. Love it. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the final question for the, for the episode, right? So imagine it's your last day on earth, right? Many, many years from now, you've accomplished everything that you ever wanted, ever dreamed of. You got the wineries, you you did the angel investing, you became a philanthropist, you solved world hunger. You did like, you just like, you smashed it, you crushed it. You did it, you achieved the whole, the whole lot, the whole shit match. But the moment that you pass, everything that you've ever achieved or everything you've ever done and everything, every trace of you ever being on the earth is just going to be wiped away. No one's ever going to remember you where you were there. But you get to leave behind three simple truths that are going to live on when you don't when you're gone. What three simple truths would you leave behind for the world? Uh, I knew you were going to ask this, and I'm thinking about it so much, so much pressure here. Um, so, because I, I steal most of my good ideas from other people, so I've, I've just really stolen three good quotes, really. But um, these are three that really uh, resonate with me. So, 
uh, number one, I had working hard is important. Like I, I don't want to take anything away from working hard. It's like some of the most satisfying satisfying days I've ever had is where you've just like given it everything, either on the fire line or exercising or you know hiking or whatever, and you just come out absolutely exhausted. You know, days like that, food tastes better, sleep is easier. I love it, but I think more important than working hard is working smart. I think you've really got to, to work smart in this world and that was one of the big revelations for me i think um, when i found out about investing in general was like oh this is how you work smart mm-hmm. yeah, you gotta work hard too but you gotta work smart and then number two um was what malcolm turnbull said in parliament when he was addressing everyone for i think everyone had a go at him for being rich um he said there are taxi drivers who have worked harder than i ever have there's a lot of luck when it comes to life that's why when we see someone else less fortunate than ourselves, we should say that goes by the grace of God me, um, which I think, you know, it goes back to what I was saying before. Like you just got to try and make the world a better place for as best you can for as many people as possible. And the Love third it. one I had, um, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. So, um, yeah, I don't know who said that, but um, I've heard it a few times now and I have that at the top of my notes in my uh, phone that I look at every day just to remind myself and check that I'm not being a wuss about anything that uh, could make my life a whole lot better. That's man, I love that. I really love that one. Life, life shrinks or expands in relationship in relation to one's courage, right? Yeah, in proportion to one's courage. Yeah, in proportion to one's courage. Yeah, I'm going to add another question in there then. So when you, because I think I, I 100 agree with you. Like the, the more that you can you know, practice bravery, courage, you know, be prepared to sit in discomfort and walk through to another place. That's where that's where the biggest amount of, you know, yeah. growth is ever going to happen. Um, how do you do that? What have you, like, just have a little think about it for a second. Like when you're facing resistance or friction and you've got the, you've got the noise, the chatter going, no, 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 maybe this is a bad idea. How do you, how do you get the courage? Like, what do you do? I think I just try and take the emotion out of it. I just go, yeah, okay, this might be scary, but I've done the maths or I've looked at it logically and it's the, the smart move here. So, um, you know, the discomfort is something you'll have to deal with, but you'll thank yourself later. Mm. Awesome. Love it. Good advice. Good advice. Well, Joel, mate, I've really enjoyed our chat. It's been actually really, really good. I'd love this episode. So thanks so much. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, much appreciated. Big honor. Been listening for a while now, so um, awesome. That's very exciting. Cool, man. Well, I'm looking forward to helping you get some more get some more properties. We'll see you soon. Can't wait. Thanks, Goose.